0: Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Tonus here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls. And if you follow me on Twitter, you may have noticed I said this is going to be a rant podcast. Maybe it's one that you don't want to play in front of the kids if the kids are very young. You probably don't want to play any podcast I, I have in front of the kids uh, because they're probably not too interested in the salary cap, generally speaking. Uh, so first... Got involved in some crazy discussion about Nikola Vucevic uh, based on some Stacey King thread. And so I did some research on post players. And it was shocking how bad Nikola Vucevic is in the post. So people have said, like, well, in Orlando, he did blah, blah, blah. NBA.com has tracked like post. I, mean, I shouldn't even say post-possessions. They've tracked play-type possessions since the 2015-16 season. So, you know, it's like nine years, counting this year. So really like eight and a partial because we're not that far into this year. Over those that period of time, which has encompassed, you know, all the data we really need to be meaningful about Vucevic. Uh, he's been in the league a little bit longer, but I don't think we really care what he did ten seasons ago. In that period of time, he – has been worse than the worst offense in the NBA in terms of post percentage every time. And I'm going to spoil almost every post player in the league that's true of. This is why no one runs post offense as a meaningful part of their offense, because it's awful. It's just awful. This is why no one does it. But relative to the worst Offense in the NBA. This is Vuce's offensive efficiency. Per 100 possessions, 15-16, 5.8 points worse than the worst offense. 16-17, 23.2 points worse than the worst offense. 17-18, 29.5 points worse than the worst offense. 18-19, 11.5 worse. 19-20, 23.2 worse. In 2021, 13.5 worse with Orlando, only 2.5 worse in his 22 games with Chicago, 17.5 worse in 22, 4.2, this was actually his best year just last year, uh, worse than the worst offense, and this year so far, 33.5 points worse than the worst offense, Uh, add about 20 more points to each of those if you want to compare them to the best offense, that's really, really bad, Now, it's not quite maybe as bad as it sounds because a lot of the good offensive efficiency from offenses now, it comes from role players. And it comes from role players because of players who create gravity and then a guy gets an open shot. So the open shot is always like a good, high-efficient shot, especially if it's at the rim or if it's on a three-point shot. Those are usually going to give you better. So a post-possession is probably generally viewed as more of like an isolation, pick-and-roll type comparison. It's like a play where really the person running the play ends up taking a shot and you're not creating a really good shot for someone else. And so a lot of the efficiency that's happened over the last, you know, whatever, 10 years or so with NBA offenses is they've realized actually having really good role players who can shoot threes, make smart cuts, make open shots is extraordinarily valuable to good offense. We don't actually want our star players jacking up a gazillion shots a game unless they do so with just insane efficiencies. So it's not quite as bad as it seems, But it's still really, really bad, and this is why no teams feature low-post-centered offenses. Even Embiid and Jokic aren't playing in the low post all the time. Like, they're not getting just, like, low post after low post after low post. And those guys are generationally talented centers uh, who actually are very efficient in the low post and and do much better. But even then, they're not going low post all the time. Uh, I got into, like, kind of a sub-small argument of, like, well, you have to consider how he passes off the low post. Uh, I didn't go too deep with this, but in the last three years with the Bulls, 0.4, 0.4, and 1.1 assists um, coming out of the post. And I think that's sort of an interesting number because that 1.1 was when Lonzo was here, at least for, you know, whatever, a partial season, and shows the effect of just having good shooters, you know, if people collapse. So how good is someone in the post really depends. Does it create gravity? And we saw this kind of interestingly in the Brooklyn Nets game where at the beginning of the game, there was a lot of gravity created by Vooch. They didn't have a real center, and they got scared. And then the Bulls just got all these open threes, and they hit them, which was even better, and built up a big lead. And then Brooklyn adjusted by being like, nah, we'll just see what Vooch can do. And then the answer to that was nothing. He couldn't do anything. And they just single-covered him with, like, no one, and Vooch couldn't punish them. And so, you know, that's the intelligent reaction here is force the guy to punish you, and Vooch can't punish you in the post. A lot of that is because he can't draw fouls um, the other thing I started talking about is people were talking about, well, you get, they, we miss him on all these easy ones. Look, it's not true. It just isn't true. Stop thinking we missed him on easy ones. you think that because Dacey King points it out every time someone's open. He doesn't sit there and point out every time someone's open for a split second for a three-point shot and we don't get the ball there. But he does point out any time Vooch is quasi-open that we don't get the ball into him. It's, it's really not happening on that much of a cadence. The other thing is, it's really hard to feed Vucin in the post because he's so unathletic. When you try and throw this, this ball in and it feels like he has someone pinned, it gets knocked away for a turnover a huge amount of times by a guard who's just quick enough to get around him. He's not strong enough to hold people off. He's not athletic enough to jump up and get it. He doesn't have super long arms. It's, like, it's pretty easy to defend Vucin on the entry pass. And so it's really hard to get an entry pass. And then the point became, well, when he's running wide open down the lane, we need to hit him. Yes, if Vooch is wide open, we should hit him at the basket. We should hit anyone at the basket who's wide open. That also does not happen that much. The idea that there's all these, like, low-hanging fruit possessions for Vooch in the post and we're just not taking advantage of them is fucking stupid. It's fucking stupid. Look, as volume goes up, efficiency is going to go down. You don't have a bunch of really easy shots. Like, what you're really saying is, oh, we make Vooch take all these hard shots and then we just don't get them easy ones. Bullshit. You know how fucking stupid that sounds off the surface? Really fucking stupid. We don't just give them like really hard shots and miss him on easy ones. It's a dumb thing to think. It just really is. It's a dumb thing to think. Am I saying we never miss him on what appears to be an easy shot? No, I'm not saying that. Do you know how many times Vooch has been guarded by a guard and then like missed a shot anyway? Or how many times he's a guard on him, we've tried to feed the post, and it's been knocked away for a turnover? Like all the time. So just because you see Vooch in what appears to be a mismatch, like if your mental thought process is that, one, we could complete the entry pass to our non-athletic guy who can't go over the top, can't push a guy out of the way, can't box him out correctly, that we can complete the entry pass and then afterwards he's going to make the shot even though he's missed it all the time. No, that's not a gimme. It just isn't. It isn't. It never has been. In the post, he's been a fucking train wreck for the nine years that NBA.com has tracked the data. From a percentile basis, like compared to everyone doing post-up shots, Vooch has been worse than the 50th percentile seven of those nine years. He was at the 50th percentile exactly once. He was above it once. So he's like a really poor post player relative to other post players too in scoring efficiency. And he's not getting you like a ton of assists out of the post either. Like Like you can just see his total assists per game aren't like super high or anything. And then of those, like over the last two years, it was less than half assists a game. So it's not like that's making up for it either. No one cares about Vooch in the post, just like no one cares about Vooch on the perimeter. No one cares about Vooch because he's a lousy player. All right, it's a simple game. Uh, I'm going I'm to call it that. So that was rant number one. Did you like it? Was it good? He's <laughs> sick of my comments on Vooch. Probably should be by now. I've had a lot of them. Uh, but I just got in this discussion, and I felt like it was worth explaining it you know, just kind of over the podcast because I enjoy it. That's what I'm here for. Uh, today, Arturus Karnashovas emerged from his shell to talk with beat reporters on the road before the Boston game to say, as far as I can tell, one sentence. Like, I don't know if they just cornered him and he said one sentence because he couldn't get away. The guy talks to the media like three times a year. I have said before, every time this guy speaks, I feel even worse about him as the general manager. And he only speaks three times a year. Now, if you did, like, radio interviews, like, Paxton and Foreman were, like, on ESPN 1000 pretty regularly. You know, they talked pretty regularly. They talked at length pretty regularly. You know, at that point, maybe I don't have super high expectations for what you say each time I hear you. When you are, like, only going to talk, like, three times a year, I would like some substance behind what you say. And there is none. There is absolutely none. Here's one of three things you're going to hear from Arturo Skarnasciovas when he speaks. One, nothing of substance. That's what we got to say, to, to, to hear today. You know, I see what's going on. I'm frustrated. You know, I'm not running away from it. Okay, you're not running away from it? Did, did you say anything else? Did you say you have a plan? Did you say we're going to make roster changes? Did you admit you made a mistake? Did you admit something like, no, you're not you running away from it. You're not saying anything. You're not commenting about it. I see it. I'm frustrated. Okay, great. Good fucking job. Glad you're frustrated. I mean, kudos to you. Like I'm glad you're not in a coma. That's fantastic. You're <laughs> frustrated. Okay. Second thing he says, outright lies. We're gonna fix our, our shooting profile <laughs> by I don't know what, by not not by heading shooters. <laughs> we're gonna play faster. We're gonna generate more free throws. Miserably failed at every single thing they said they're gonna do in the offseason. And it was obvious. Like, he said, like, oh, you know, just wait. Like, you know, I know there's problems with this roster. Just wait to what we do in the offseason. What you do in the offseason? You added Tory Craig at the vet minimum, who now looks like a vet minimum player after having kind of a hot start, and Javon Carter, who looks like a guy who was propped up by playing next to an absolute superstar, and is also looks pretty mediocre. Rest in peace to all the people who just said Billy Donovan's a fucking moron for not starting Javon Carter. Oh, wow! Well, surprise, Javon Carter is not that good, and Kobe White's better. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely shocked by this revelation. No, no, not at all. Um, we were not Javon Carter and Torrey Craig away. And this team is just kind of, they've, they've thrown in the towel. They've given up. They've given up. So he just says things that are just, like, outright untrue. Like, just wait. Just wait till my next transaction period, and you're going to see stuff change. Uh, like me adding a minimum salary player. You know what you did? You let Derek Jones Jr., who was absolutely fantastic and playing great basketball, provided shot blocking, could allow us to go small at center and do a lot of things we can no longer do, leave. That's what you let happen. Like, that was actually a big loss. I was really sad when uh, Derek Jones Jr. left. I said that at the time. I said I think he's like much better than Patrick Williams. Holy shit, is that true? Um, but I digress. And then he says spin that only a fucking moron would believe. Like hanging a banner on the 14-9 and record after the break. Um, Continuity being a big plus for a really aging team with a short time frame and no star players and not making any moves. Uh, Guys who are from Chicago just being like good players because they're from Chicago. Like we're super excited to get Javon Carter because he's from Chicago. Like it's like shit that only the meathead fan from Chicago who doesn't follow basketball would think is like valuable. Like, oh, this guy's from Chicago. That, that, like, no, who gives a crap where a guy's from? Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, yeah, he, I'm not saying Chicago doesn't produce some good basketball talent, but that's not like, you're not like, oh, well, this guy's from Chicago. If everything else is the same, that's a plus. No, it's not. It's not a plus. It's, it's like a neutral. If anything, it's maybe a minus that he's got all these hometown distractions all the time. You know, a guy can be great from Chicago, but that doesn't mean we should be looking for Chicago guys. We should be looking for good players. It's just like a dumbass thing to say. And so every time he says something, it just pisses me off. It just pisses me off because I'm like, you can be better than this. People say like, oh, it's okay. It's okay that the guy just like says stuff. Like it's just public relations spin. You can demand better. In your life, if you have a leader and they tell you crap like this, go find another job. That's some bullshit. I'm a manager. I manage managers. I manage a team, a department. I would never, ever treat the people who work for me or someone I need to communicate with with this level of arrogance and treat them like that, they're that fucking stupid. I would never do it. You could say real things. You could say things like, Yeah, we didn't hit it with this draft pick. We should have done better. You know, you could say, in retrospect, you know, this really hurt us and I should have figured out some way to cover up for Lonzo, who's a super injury-prone player, earlier. I didn't mitigate that risk correctly. This is what I'm going to do now about it. You know, you can say things like that they didn't go well, because we know it. It's not like you're going to talk us into believing that this is just rainbows and great. We're fifth-worst team in the league right now going into this game against Boston tonight. Like, you, what, you, you think no one knows what's going on? But you're frustrated also, and you're not running away from it. You've not made a meaningful move in two years. You've never made a move off any major decision you've made. You've scapegoated the last general managing group at every turn. Every single thing you've done has been to try to pin the blame on what you inherited And to be honest, most of those moves have fucked things up and made them worse. I've said it before, a pet rock who just took the group inherited and rolled them forward and made picks based on ESPN's top 100 list would have done a better job than our GM group making millions of dollars. I have never been so bad in my life at anything I have done. As our tourist is at being an NBA general manager, and I tell you, like I've tried to do ballet dance with my daughter, and I'm really fucking bad at it, can't do a damn thing, and I'm not as bad as he at his job. It's a fucking disaster. It is a goddamn train wreck. It is hard to overstate how badly he has positioned this franchise. Now he has put us in a position where we're like four ways, four years away from thinking we have anything we can do, except get just butt-ass lucky. Like, that's it. That's all you can hope for. And you can't even pin a whole lot of hope on what he might do in the draft, because his view on the draft seems to be goddamn deranged. Dalen Terry was like so far away from an NBA player. Oh, here's a sophomore who's not an athletic superstar, who's the third best player on a pedestrian team that didn't go anywhere, scored less than 10 points per game as a starter, and can't shoot. Who the fuck looks at that and says that's a good player? Every other player picked around him is like a solid NBA role player right now. Patrick Williams, basically same thing. Was a nothing in high school relative to an NBA prospect. He was ranked 39th out of his class. That means if he had a neutral year relative to his class, he would not have come out in the draft because there wouldn't be 39 freshmen drafted. And he was picked number four after having a horseshit NBA season where he averaged less than 10 points a game and came off the bench. Also, not an athletic superstar. This guy does not know what the fuck he's doing. He does not. Fucking moron. All right. That's it. That's the rant. That's the rant for today. Um, hopefully... The overall terribleness of what has happened has been so bad that it just forces us to take significant action, whatever that action is. If that action is just to fire Billy Donovan, I think I'm going to just fucking lose it. Not to say we should need to keep Billy Donovan, I don't care, but if we try to pin this shit on the head coach and just be like, yep, we're going to replace the head coach, everything's going to be fine, I will lose my shit. (laughs) Like... I don't care if Donovan stays or goes, but you have got to shake up this roster and you've got to do it big. And you better be thinking about how to increase the the asset base and not be like, hey, let's trade Zach Levine for fucking win now players. I will lose my shit if that's what we do. And boy, do I think our general manager is fucking stupid enough to try it. That'll be it for this edition of the Bulls Beat, brought to you by Happy Smiles Gum. I I don't know. I just made it up. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good rest of your day. Hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. I'm going to be off on a cruise enjoying the sun for the next week, so you may not hear from me for a while. But I'll be thinking of you uh, in the warm weather. And uh, talk to you guys soon.